0: Welcome back to the Lenten Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for a good sprint stage, an exciting one. Stage 13 of the Giro d'Italia from San Remo, where Milano San Remo finishes, obviously, to Cuneo inland. They're working their way north. 151Ks, and unlike the pancake flat one yesterday, there's a 10K, 6.7% climb in this, called Nava, And then, like... Let me calculate, 100Ks of flat pretty much to the finish, with the last 2Ks of this being an annoying 2% drag uphill. Nothing to worry the sprinters about, but could be decisive for a breakaway. And the question was, with no Binium here, do Alberson take it upon themselves to pace? Is there a big fight to get in the breakaway with MVP, court, ballerini-type guys Will UAE pace the climb for Kaviria? Will Kavindemar make it over? We had all these questions for the start of this stage. But it seems like people are tired, Benji. It turned out to be kind of the opposite of what I expected, the first third of this stage.
1: Yeah, not the largest breakaway going up the road, including Pascal and in that breakaway together with Mirko Maestri from Iolo, Nicola Prudhomme, which is uh, not related to the other Prudhomme from the Tour de France, but just a rider on Age des air Julius von den Berg also in there for EF. And those are the four breakaway riders. Nothing too special there. That's a breakaway that on paper looks manageable from the peloton, I would dare to say. And their gap went up to an amount that is first two minutes, three minutes on the first climb. And then towards the middle of the stage, it went up to seven minutes. But then towards the end of the stage, we clearly saw that the gap was I don't know, going down, but we'll go into that breakaway versus peloton fight in a second because in the peloton, someone wasn't feeling so well because at a certain point I was looking at my screen and thing on the left bottom of the screen that said Roman Bardet is abandoning. And I was so confused. I was like, we've seen nothing happen. We haven't seen him like go to the back of the peloton and so forth. But apparently uh, he was abandoning and a few minutes later, We actually saw that he was in the car of DSM. We saw a statement by DSM on Twitter as well that he was out of the race. And it was so unexpected because uh, he apparently had stomach problems or something.
0: Yeah, apparently he'd been sick all the night before and then just couldn't make it through this sprint stage, which wasn't really a day for GC at all. So a real shame because I think Bardet just signed an extension with DSM. He's revitalized his career there. Blockhouse has to be his best pure climbing performance in four years, five years to do six or five point nine two watts per kilo for nearly forty minutes on a hot day after a hard stage. Like really, really good stuff, which he hasn't been able to do in the last two years. So it's a real shame he looked like not just a serious podium contender, but a guy that could actually win the race. He was there with Carapaz and Lander. On that climb, and I guess now it's it's a shame also for Aronsman because I kept uh, talking about how the many teams have two GC threats, and how Aronsman could get some leash to go up the road, sort of Carapaz style 2019 with Bardet behind. It's a lot harder when you're just the one man, uh, and he didn't lose any time today, Aronsman thankfully. But before we get into the break versus sprint teams action, word on our show partners, Zwift, a cycling app that makes training fun. We have MVDP here who we thought would be going for the stage today, perhaps. Cavendish, could they drop them on the climb? So Zwift is the platform of choice for MVDP and Cav when training indoors, but there's something on Zwift for everybody to help you get fitter with real world and fantasy locations to ride in. If you want to check out Zwift, you can go to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial down below. But on that climb, this de Nava, there was no real hard pacing. UA didn't take it up with Formula o and and Rui Costa to make sure that Damar and Cav got dropped. And the gap went out to like, what was it, Benji, seven minutes with just FDJ pretty much controlling. I guess that shows a lack of faith. Of UAE and Gaviria, I think.
1: I agree, but I also wouldn't be the Diaz uh, that says Gaviria deserves to have the domestics of Almeida pace for him here, and I don't have the confidence in a Gaviria here as well. So I d- I understand why they don't want to throw their energy into trying to create an opportunity for Gaviria personally.
0: Yeah, I get that, and it's not just like oh, pace the last climb, ten k's from the finish. We're talking about a three-hour commitment in the heat pacing for a hundred kilometers plus the climb. So it's you gotta be really confident in your guy to do that. And it didn't happen. And so in the break, well, it was just a battle the whole time with the brake scap kind of steadily but very slowly coming down with Encorn being, I would say well not I would say I think a hundred percent the strongest in the break. Bascal Encorn absolutely driving it. Bundenberg probably quite strong as well. Maestri, a little bit smaller. And then Brodom was quite slight. And it really was Encore, I think, driving that. But the collaboration and cooperation was very, very good. But then it went like crosswind and then tailwind in the last 10Ks. So they just had to get to the tailwind in the last 10Ks. The problem for them was FDJ got some help. Although before then, Benji, there was a split. What was the cause of the split? Because MVDP got caught out and port.
1: Honestly, I've got no clue. It felt like at the start of the Peloton, at the front of the Peloton, we had the team of De Mar and so forth just endlessly trying to crawl back the gap to the breakaway, which was staying rather stagnant at certain points. And I feel like the tempo made sure that the Peloton was just on the line. And there must have been a snap somewhere that kind of made the group split in half. Because like you said, there was a group behind. Arden's was rumored to be in that second group, but apparently was not. So positive for DSM after they not so positive. Uh, abandonment earlier of Romain Bardin. Uh, from that point on, it was that first peloton that was chasing the entire rest of the day for uh, for the breakaway, uh, after the breakaway, to see if they could uh, catch them. But I feel like when it comes to the peloton, there were moments in this race where they were pacing very hard. And then I feel with about uh about 15 to 20 kilometers. There was a moment where you actually saw like, the peloton bulge up a little bit making sure that the tempo is apparently not that hard because otherwise you'd see them in one line for the entire way Do you think that's because there's also tiredness from pacing behind that breakaway all day or is that because there's teams that are kind of playing the role of okay let's keep some uh, riders for the last part of this race
0: I think FDJ were probably unjustifiably trying to coax some work out of other teams, like trying to get Quickstep to send a rider forward. FDJ controlling a lot. Conor Valavos doing a huge job, 20Ks to go. I think the gap was like two minutes at 25Ks. It was 230. It was coming down like 30 seconds every 5Ks. 15Ks. It was at like 130, but then 15 to 12Ks. It really didn't go down too much. It was like down 15, 12 seconds uh, through those a chicane, etc. Schmidt was pulling for quick step. Zabel moved up for Israel pulling. So FDJ just burnt their entire train chasing this. They only reserved, I think, Scotson for 2.7Ks to go on Guarnieri a little bit. Uh, but yeah, all the other teams committed. The question was, the break, I think they could have made it. I think they could have made it. But it needed flawless cooperation practically to the line. They needed to basically roll turns into the last 100 meters and sprint. Full gas to the entire time, no one conserving anything. And it didn't seem that that was the case. Uh, I think Vandenberg skipped a turn at 5Ks. He wasn't pulling as long. I think Prudhomme was just kind of cooked. And Enkhorn was really the one who was keeping that gap alive. And then with 2Ks to go, Benji, they get to the false flat section, 20-second gap. It swung in favor of the peloton. I still like, oh, they might be able to make it. Poor old Pascal Ancorn got sold out.
1: Yep, he did. And it was uh, a bit unfortunate to see that, like, you said it. Podom is the rider that seemed cooked, but a maestri and Julius von den Berg. Vandenberg had been finessing a few times. I think he skipped two turns in total in the last ten kilometers. And he was kind of a rider that whenever he went to the front, it felt like he wasn't doing as much as the other riders in that group was. And when it comes to Maestri, I was like on the fence. Is he kinda of done for? Is he not? I don't know from that point onwards at that point in the race. But yeah, we saw that inkhorn was just sitting at the front and he went into the chicane in the last one point five kilometers and from that point onwards until like 900 meters to go, like straight up, nobody wanted to p- take over. And when that happens, you're like, okay, it's still 900 meters from this point onwards. If you don't want to take over, then inkhorn is going to give up at some point. The peloton is getting to 15 seconds, 10 seconds. This breakaway is not going to make it. And then an attack came from Julius van proving that he had some energy left. He was probably waiting to make a move like that. Perhaps he didn't trust the sprint against inkhorn which I could understand. On paper, Incorn is a faster rider in this group, but that won't work if the Peloton is so close. And the issue is not that if the attack works, then he's got a lead and then he can go solo. But if he gets caught, the cooperation is completely gone. And you kind of have to hope that somebody else makes another move, but that was not the case. And Incorn closes that Von attack. Those four riders are in one line again. Pradom was indeed the one that was hoping he could hold on to the most of his abilities in that in that section but we saw the peloton coming from behind and last minute maestri still attacked like he had some energy left apparently so he could have used that before that but apparently not and uh, it was all down to the peloton then right
0: yeah, and it's not like, oh, an exposure attack. Maestri's attack was really strong. He was going quicker than FDJ's lead out. He gave them a lead out. And so by 1,200 meters, it was done already. The damage was done. No matter what they did with a K to go, could have, they couldn't have saved it. But with... The problem was they didn't build up enough buffer into 2Ks to go, and that's probably because I think guys were holding back maybe Maestri and Vandenberg a little bit, but maybe it wouldn't have made a difference at all. In the end, FDJ do a fantastic job. Guarnieri leading out Damar. Richese tries to lead out Gaviria to the left hand side, but he doesn't really go anywhere. And he then shouts at Gaviria, who's slotted onto the wheel of Damar on the barriers, but then Damar's kind of pinching him to the barriers, and so Gaviria has no lane, but if he'd gone behind Richese, it wouldn't have been. He would have been sort of left on the front way too early. Cavendish is having to come from really deep, got no lead out. Quickstep have spent their entire team, and then he's impeded by Richese. He has to get there, but DeMar just way too strong. Even with Gavir in the wheel, Bauhaus getting a spot, opening up on the, on the barrier slate, DeMar takes his third stage, and much deserved because FDJ took it upon themselves to control this stage. They did a lot of work. They burnt their lead out. Other teams did work too, but... You know, much deserved for them and, yep. yeah, just a great win by Honor Damar. Before I get into the top 10, I'll mention our supporting sponsor, GCN Plus, who support the LRCP Giro coverage. You can watch every kilometre live and ad-free on GCN Plus. And today's sprint stage is an example of a really well-designed one that was Yeah, just a perfect sprint stage that I really couldn't take my eyes off in the last 30, 40 kilometers. Catch up when it suits you on GCN Plus with full-stage replays, on-demand highlights, and all LRCP listeners can get 25% off if you're in the US, UK, Australia, Canada, or Germany from an annual GCN Plus subscription by heading to gcn.eu slash LRCP in the description down below. Any thoughts on that sprint, Benji?
1: Honestly, Mars sprint, was just very strong once again, could hold it off until the end. Gaviria and Richese is a bit of a soap, in my opinion. Richese trying to go on the left side, Gaviria trying to hold on to Mars wheel and not choosing to go for uh, the wheel of... Well, actually, I think it was Cavendish's wheel that Gaviria was on, right? Or am I wrong? Um, I'm
0: not sure. I thought Cav had to come from deeper because Gaviria was plonked onto Demar's wheel.
1: Yeah, but Gaviria, like chose not to jump on Richese's wheel and you like see Richese like shouting at Gaviria that's just a, a peak UAE moment because last year I swear in the Giro as well or was it the year before the Milano Gaviria leadouts? also that that chemistry just wasn't there and it seems like Rischeze was extended to like lead out Gaviria in this Giro he was especially extended for this race and then Gavira doesn't choose to like. Yeah, doesn't trust his lead out. Whether it's a cho- a good choice or not, I'm actually not so sure. I feel like Richeze's move was actually a good move to be sitting on. And if no, Richese- no, If he followed him. He nah? was fucked.
0: No, no, he Richeze went so early. If he if Gavira had gone on his wheel and then kicked, he has Damar on the wheel. It's uphill. It's two percent. I think it was way too early. I think Demar, like Gavira, could barely get out of his wheel anyway. Um like, where was Rachese shouting at him? I think it was like 250 to go with uphill. Yeah. But that's the problem, I guess. Like, UAE, you've got a team of Portuguese riders for Almeida, Italian riders for Medium Mountain, <laughs> Ulisi, and then the two Spanish speaking riders, Gaviria and Rochese. They've got three teams within the one team. It's a tough balance. Uh, but here's the top 10. DeMar winning his third stage. ahead of a Bauhaus who nailed Cav on the line for second, uh, Cav third. Very 4th, Dainese 5th, Consoni 6th, DeBont 7th, Nizzolo 8th. That's awful. Like, let's be honest, being beaten by DeBont on this sort of uphill finish.
1: Yeah, and the team, like, actually properly spent riders as well during the rain. So it's kind of like he's really not riding well on, at this team. And like That's we've it. mentioned it, yeah, like, I don't know, like, we expect more from Nizzolo, as simple as that.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not saying he has to win every stage, but he's got Dowsett doing a huge shift. Zabel, his last man, was pulling back to break. They spent the entire team, Catterford, and he's being beaten by Debon in this and Consoni. I know they're, they're, they're fine, but geez, eighth. All he beat was Vendrame and Tobias Bayer, who's a GC prospect. Like, not great. Uh, for The Morale will be, I think, pretty low there. But that was a really good sprint stage. And compared to the other one, I think that was really good and exciting. The down was Bardet pulling out. That was a real shame for the race. But a Frenchman won, so French fans mixed feelings for this day. (laughs) Tomorrow stage from Santana to Torino, 148 Ks. This is medium mountain paradise. It's quite hard. They do the Superga. Uh, which you might know from Milano-Torino. I'm pretty sure it's the same side, or maybe it's not. I'm not. Maybe I'm stupid. Anyway, they do two laps of a climb called the Superga near Torino. I'm assuming it's this Milano-Torino climb. 5K 8.2%. It's afterwards, they have a rolling ridge line. Then about 14 kilometers later, they do the Colle della Maddalena, 3.6K 7.3%. There is literally no flat after in the last 35, 38 kilometers, and I think Bahrain and Ineos need to try something Benji. I think this is a good <laughs> stage for, for Bilbao because he struggles on the long mountains, but this could be some technical descents. I don't know. I think this is a day to play a second GC guy before, or do you, maybe you think they don't want to tip their cap before the big stage 15.
1: I'm afraid that they won't be uh, daring to make a move on this stage, knowing that on stage 15 and stage 16, there's proper mountain stages where differences are going to be made. So I I fear that it's going to be a, a rather defensive race from the GC teams, at least until that loss of Perhaps stuff happens on that end, but uh, I don't know about that. There's another team that now has one rider in the top 10 of GC instead of two, which is that DSM team that just lost Bardet. So that's another aspect to the fact that there's one less rider, one less secondary GC rider to kind of go for. Because if if you have Bardet up in GC on like near podium and you've got Adensmann near uh, the top 10 position, and Adensmann can try and attack on these kind of stages. But that's not the case right here because they only have one rider left now. But when it comes to, uh, I, I, I kind of feel like a break could also be a, uh, a Scenario here. It's kind of like stage seven where we I said... Think break will win. Yeah. Vincenzo and Eboli?
0: He's, mate, he brings the blockhouse legs, how can he not win? He'll <laughs> drop everyone on the first superga. Is he too and close? Solo. Oh, do they respect him anymore? No offense, Vincenzo. What's he at?
1: <laughs>
0: Three minutes down? Three minutes. Too That's close, too eh? close. What's he doing? What is he doing? He's trying to, he, he's going for GC. I, of course he is.
1: I, I, I've been fearing it for years now that he continues going for GC when I hope he goes for a stage win. And he's now on three minutes in in stage 13. And by the time he he like gets to the bigger mountain stage, there's going to be a day where he loses proper time again, like on Etna. And he's going to end up on like seven, eight minutes and it's going to be too late to go in breakaways. And oh, I hope that he's allowed to go in the breakaway, but I fear he won't. And Therefore, I'm actually looking towards more a De La Cruz rider from their team. But you're right. If a, if a Bahrain wants to pick it up on this stage, it's possible. But I've got a feeling that whenever Bahrain's in a race with Landa as leader, they're less offensive.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like Haig and Caruso and Co seem to be made to embrace the chaos and Landa probably wants it a little bit more controlled. Um I think Formolo Mollema are the favourites in the break. Cohen bomb and the same sort of break, Dumoulin will be getting into that. I think Formula wins this stage. And for that reason, that's why I'm suggesting that Ineos should try something <laughs> because UAE's best domestique on this parkour will be winning the stage up the road. So this is a good chance to attack <laughs> Almeida, you know, like… That rolling ridge line before Colo de la Maddalena. could they get Sivakov? Remember, they got Sivakov in the break in the Vuelta. I can't remember the stage nine that uh, Haig took minutes back, and Stora won. I think before the first rest day, Sivakov got in the break. Yeah, he had a fight with Stora. It's hilarious. I would get Stora. Uh, I would get Sivakov in the break if I was Ineos. Yes. If,
1: I mean, is he didn't he lose more time today? He did, but perhaps it's on purpose.
0: I mean, he's not even trying to backdoor a GC result anymore. I mean, yeah, like he sh- if he's got the legs, yeah, he can ruin everyone on that 10 minute Polidella Maddalena climb. Like the gradients are 12% the first kilometer, then 9% the second kilometer. So Yates will say goodnight to you on that. And he's a good descender too.
1: lost time today. We also see that. Tobias Foss lost time today. He's going to have to do something at some point. Like he's out of GC. He's going to have to he's go for stages. not good enough to win. Is he not good enough to win any stage in this year?
0: Formalo and Co will ruin him. Molymer, they're better climbers than him. He's too heavy. On that 12%, he... I don't see it. Um, I'm going with uh, Alka Molimaran to win the stage. Formolino top three.
1: I like that. I like that pick. I always forget about Molomar, despite him being such an obvious pick for stages like this. I am going to go for probably a mistake. Nah, I won't go for Markey. I won't do it. I don't believe in Markey. If he wins tomorrow, it's going to look so lame now. But I, um, it's hard, you know, because I want Nibali to win, but he clearly is too close to go in that breakaway. So that's not happening. I'm going to go for Attila Valter for this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been conspicuous by his absence in this Giro d'Italia. I haven't really seen him. So he should be trying to get in this breakaway. And if it goes to the finish, he's very, very fast. He won the Catalonia. Did he win the Catalonia stage or did he come third or something? Second. Always second or third. He's good in these sort of descent finishes, very fast. Tour of the Alps as well, like this, He's that's a good call. I think this is something he should, really should be targeting. But that's the Giro d'Italia stage 14 tomorrow, the first of the weekend stages, and then stage 15 is more of a nailed-on, should be, hopefully, GC day. Tomorrow, I'm, I'm hoping for Ineos to be aggressive if they can. Uh, but otherwise, in cycling today, we have the second stage of Welter Burgos, which was, as we said, a very nice finish for Capecchi from Sassamon to Aguilar de Campo. There was like a 800 meter 6% roller, 5Ks from the finish. That's not something that would bother her whatsoever. Um, but what I mentioned yesterday, no Mulman here. Teams of, they have a team of five, I think, and Shackley's very slight, as well as new Fisher Black. Follering's riding for GC. So Kopecky has got about one domestique. And that played out. That influenced this stage massively today, Benji.
1: Certainly. We had a breakaway up the road initially that actually got a huge gap and that included six riders. Lara Vicelli, Nina Beisman, which on paper is the rider I know the most in this breakaway personally. Matilda Vitillo in there as well. We've got Andrea Ramirez, Jennifer Duquara, that is uh, the closest in GC, so the most dangerous one in GC, actually really close in GC. So let's say this breakaway wins, she's a likely candidate to... Uh, take the leader jersey and then Jesenia manis also in that breakaway there were some other riders joining later on but the most important names are already named here and that breakaway just well got a solid gap i think uh when the coverage started with 45 kilometers to go i was like shocked that it said seven minutes because you don't see like huge gaps in women's cycling like this that often because they want to try and control as much as possible Smaller teams and races and so forth, leading to that decision. And we see that seven-minute gap trying to be controlled by SD Works, having two riders that are like switching around at the front, but not necessarily the tempo where you say, okay, they're gonna catch this breakaway ASAP. Because like ten kilometers later, with thirty-five kilometers to go, the gap is only down a minute and a half, so down to five minutes thirty, and that's where canyon shram started t- kicking in. Were you surprised that a team like SD Works? Why wow, you said it? Like you basically already they said it. can't do anything. But yeah. What can they do? Like they're not gonna put Volering at the front. No. You start pacing for Capecchi. Although I do feel like, uh, I do feel like the riders that were at the front at that moment were still there later on. So perhaps those riders could have ridden faster than they did. But perhaps they were like, okay, the gap is seven minutes anyway. We're not winning the stage anyway. Why should we uh, spend that completely and just have Capecchi come? First in the peloton behind the breakaway. But some other teams, yeah, kept on doing work. Like 24k to go, as D-Works, Liva, and Canyon-Shram were then pacing. So three teams had worked. Then Volkar kicked in and no actually Movistar. tried some work. Again, you're right. No Movistar. But Movistar did kick in the last 10 kilometers for Norsegaard, um, together with DSM. And then the gap was already down to like 130. I don't know what happened between like 15k to go and 10k to go, because the gap just melted from like three minutes to one minute. And I was like, okay, time gaps. Okay, I'll take it. But um, Grace Brown crashed and then decided to attack. She didn't get away, unfortunately. So my pick of yesterday, it at least was an attempt. Okay, there was an attempt. Something happened. It didn't work out. But you said it, Movistan not pacing that early. You think it's also because, are they also here with like five riders only, I think?
0: I think it's because Kapegi ruined guard yesterday. Like that has to mm-hmm. play into it, your willingness to contribute. If you think you have a fifty fifty chance and you can see SD works aren't bluffing, they literally they don't have Majerus here, uh, I don't believe. They don't have Chantal Van Black. They're not bluffing, but you're like, Well, regardless, I'm not gonna pull for Kapeki to destroy everyone in the uphill sprint. And Kapeki eventually did do that. She beat Norsegard in this sprint again. The problem was they never caught the breakaway, unlike in the Giro stage, this break stayed away with Matilda Vitillo on B Pink Team, winning ahead of Nina Boishman on the Human Powered Health, formerly called Rally, uh, Lara Viacelli third on Seratizit, Aranzana Villalon, and Nora Yankosova coming fourth and fifth with the Colombian on the Colombia Tierra de Atletas team. Jennifer Dukara on a second, sixth, only five seconds ahead of Kapeki, but she goes into the GC lead by six seconds, which is awesome to see. And as Benji said, it's rare that you, you see this because we haven't had, and it's changing now, but there haven't been as many stage races at World Tour level with genuine mountaintop finishes. And the mountaintop yep. finish means that you can give the break seven minutes. You can, you know, if a break wins, so, so be it. It's similar to the men's racing. And so we have a first time ever winner, Matilda Vitillo, the 21 year old, winning. And I think Nina Boisman's actually quite good, though. She's 24. She's got two UCI wins and has been good on the Spanish circuit. But yeah, an interesting stage, Benji, but. I think tomorrow it will be the – I don't see the same thing happening again tomorrow. I think with the climb a bit further away from the finish and shallow gradient, uphill finish, 112Ks, 1,400 meters, 4%. I think Capecchi cleaning this up.
1: Ooh, I think uh- – the finish actually fits her as well. And I think it's the same finish that we saw Cecilia Trupluig win last year, which was rather punchy, right? Because I swear that I saw the profile was, before yeah. that race and it wasn't as punchy on the profile as in real life. But I still have a feeling that if we see Kopecky as in the Kopecky from uh, Strade and so forth, that level of climbing and punching, that she should do well on this parkour. But you've got two candidates in that team. Like, Wolverine could genuinely also perform on the finish like this. and. That's where it's intriguing. What if they sprint with two? Can they want to this stage?
0: <laughs> they could. I think Vollering should lead out Kopecky if Kopecky's in good shape. But yeah, I mean, Guard again, she should be contesting. It's not that hard. But as Benji said, like these profiles are deceiving. Even that 4k 4% climb I said, it's literally like 2%, then 9%, 2%, 9%. It's very steep around here in the Basque country. I'm trying to look for any... This is a Grace Brown one too, attacking before the climb. Yeah. I'm going for Lippet to win this.
1: Ooh, that's like the name I wasn't expecting. Like it's quite punchy, but I don't rate her sprint as high. She's fine. I'm gonna go I'm going to go with Brown again from a late attack, just like I did yesterday. It didn't I happen it. today. She ended up crashing, but I believe it's gonna happen at some point and why not happen here because I don't think her climbing is good enough to win no. on Laguna Zanaya, so she needs to try stuff beforehand. Definitely with Cavalli out, they need to try something.
0: 100%. So yeah, she and if USD works, if she wins by 20 seconds, I wouldn't be particularly concerned. Volering should be taking a lot of time tomorrow. But that was a nice little stage, and I think tomorrow is quite an interesting finish. Definitely one for, worth tuning into. Walter Burgos is... Finishing before the Giro stage, so you can watch it no problem. The last 15Ks, I think, are definitely worth watching tomorrow. But thanks to Zwift for supporting the podcast, being our year-long presenting sponsor. If you want to catch the Giro, check out GCN Plus tomorrow. But otherwise, that's all from Benji and I, and we'll see you with the Stage 14 recap and Voltra Stage 3 recap tomorrow. Ciao.